0: Baltimore, more affectionately known as Baltimore. From all of its sides, there is beauty and grit, ingrained in the people, embellished on its walls, echoing from its history. The charm is not relegated to just certain parts of the city. There's value in the vacant, emptiness in the exclusive. Both are primed for hope and glory to fill those voids. Not with a kind of hope that is cheap and shallow, but a fulfillment in the soul that unlocks the depth of your spirit. For this reason, a new faith community is formed. Not new as in better or exclusive, but a continuation to join a movement already in progress. Our mission? To connect people to Jesus and to one another. Why? because we want to share a new or a renewed hope. To the young cats trying to find their way, to the professionals setting their sails toward success, and even the old heads with long roots and perspective. We're creating space to grow and to be known together, striving to be one in spirit and one in mind, celebrating the uniqueness of our hues, breaking down the division in our diversity, and an openness to embrace questions of all kinds, because that's what Jesus did and is still doing. We aim for our actions in the streets to be like the acts of the scriptures, sharing things in common, breaking bread together, sacrificing for the greater good, because this honors God and reflects his glory. We want to invoke his presence in our city, And we also invite your participation in this hope. We are Hope Baltimore.
1: Mountain, it's so good to be with you this weekend. So grateful to Pastor Ben for this invitation to come and share with you. Uh, As you've heard, uh, we are planting a a church in the city uh, this September. I need you to do me a big favor. Matter of fact, three favors. The first one is, would you please, please pray for us? We just want God to go before us and open doors, and we want to follow his lead since we're on mission with him. Secondly, will you spread the word for us? Maybe you know some people uh, in the city. We're meeting two blocks from uh, Penn Station, just north of downtown you can follow us on social media at Hope HopeBeMore on Instagram. Uh, let people know that we're gathering and we're meeting. And then thirdly, come hang with us. We'd love for you to come and kick it with us. Uh, help us get this momentum going in the city. And we look forward to seeing you come and uh, spend some time with us. Well, speaking of Hope Baltimore, um, our church plant, I was asked a question By a man named Jared, who is actually on um, our management team for the church plant. And he was specifically asking me about this cross-cultural value that we have as a team. And he just basically wanted to know what my strategy was. And he wasn't asking from a place of skepticism. Jared understands that when you bring differences together to coexist, that that's difficult. It's hard. And so my answer to him went a little something like this. I don't really know, but here is what I believe. Intentional and consistent proximity to difference matters. What I mean by that is when we are intentionally and consistently around people and doing life with people and in community with people that are different than us, it has an impact on us. And that's directly related to what I wanna share this weekend as we continue this series called Stand. This weekend I'm talking about standing together or unity. And I think we've got this whole thing about unity a little bit confused. Part of the reason why is I I think it's because we're limited um, in our proximity to difference or we're unintentional about our proximity to difference. Now, I'm not talking about spatial proximity where we're crossing paths with different people at different times or surface level engagements or we're saying, yeah, I got a black friend or I got an Asian friend. No, I'm talking about something deeper than that. I'm talking about intentionality and consist- consistency that goes beyond the surface, And here's the thing, the reason why that's not normal in our lives is because we tend to gravitate, or our human nature tends to gravitate towards what's comfortable, what's similar, and what's familiar. The research even shows that we don't mind going against the grain or maybe allowing our proximity to be a little bit different um, or connecting with people different than us, but we don't wanna do it alone we actually feel more comfortable doing it with others. And that's interesting, because when we think about the church and we think about the life that Jesus has called us to, inevitably it is against the grain and it causes us to stand out. But when we're unified and we're doing it with others like us, it not only has a great impact, but it is a reflection of what unity looks like to the world. Well, if you have a Bible, uh, I'd love for you to meet me in First Peter, uh, chapter number 3. Um, we'll get there in just a moment. Maybe you have an app or something else that you use. And even if you don't, we won't leave you hanging. We'll have the words up on the screen. But before we do that, I want us to understand who this guy Peter is. And I want to give a little perspective on the person writing this letter. Unity is a theme throughout this letter of 1 Peter, Peter that's written to Uh, a cross-cultural group of Jesus followers. Now, Peter is not just echoing what uh, Jesus has said. Uh, He is one of Jesus' disciples, and so he's not just chronicling what Jesus did. Uh, But Peter himself had his own challenges, and he had his own things that he went through, his own personal revelations. And I think it's important for us to understand who this Peter guy is, and why he's qualified to talk to us about unity. Because we got a lot of people out here that are tweeting and posting and commenting on things, uh, and it's unqualified, and a lot of times it's reckless and it's divisive. We tend to run with information and uh, different sorts of things that we've seen and we've read without any real research or deep reflection at all. And it's disunifying. We're sometimes trashing and throwing people away just because we disagree with them. We're even Uh, hearing things from people who say they follow Jesus, saying you can't be Christian if you don't vote this particular way or if you're on this side of this issue or you're affiliated with this political party or not. And instead of allowing our hearts to break with these things that we're seeing and the disunity that is around us and, and that is bubbling to the surface, we're allowing our emotions to be triggered instead and we're drawing battle lines. Now, here's the thing. I know we've been uh, in a pandemic over the last 18 plus months or so and some of us have lost track in counting how long and, and we have Seen all of these things bubbling up as a result of, of people um, going through different things and feeling certain, certain tensions and us not having the opportunity to engage. And it's like, what is happening to our world? Well, here's the thing. This is not new. These, these cultural tensions and political tensions and, and division that we're seeing, this was going on in the early church. None of this is new. And guess what? This guy, Peter experienced it. So let me just kind of give you a little bit of context uh, before we get to 1 Peter 3 that I think is important. First, if we back up to Acts chapter uh, number 10, we see the story of a guy named Cornelius who's a centurion, meaning he's a Roman soldier, and he's a Gentile, but he's a Jesus follower. And he has a vision one day, and in the vision, God says, send some men to Joppa to get a man named Peter. And around the same time, Peter is praying one day, and he has a vision too. And in Peter's vision, the vision is of him eating animals that would have been forbidden for Jews to eat. And God says to him in the vision, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter says, God, I would never eat anything unpure. And God says to him, what I make clean, you cannot make impure. And right after that, a knock happens at the door and it's Cornelius' men who've come to get Peter and God tells him, hey, Peter, don't be afraid. Go with these men. And so he goes and then Peter shows up at Cornelius' house and he says to Cornelius, you know it's not lawful for a Jew to set foot in a Gentile's house. Well, hello to you too, sir. What a greeting, right? But he then says to Cornelius, But God has shown me that I must not call anyone impure or unclean. And after Peter and Cornelius began to talk, Peter says, I now know that God does not show favoritism. Peter gets a revelation here. And then there was an outbreak in the house where Peter was with these Gentiles, with Cornelius. And it's obvious that God's spirit is in the room and the Gentiles begin declaring the greatness of God. And it is an impactful moment that Peter would not forget. Then we fast forward to Acts 11, word hits the street that Peter is kicking it with Gentiles, people he's not supposed to be kicking it with. And the circumcision party, which would have been Jews who felt like, hey, you needed to be circumcised, so we need to be separate from these folks, they confronted him and they were angry about it. Then in Acts 12, Peter goes to jail. He's thrown in jail by Herod, the king, because Herod knew that the Jews didn't like what Peter was doing, so he locked him up. Then we fast forward to Acts 15, which is one of the most pivotal moments in the early church and maybe one of the most pivotal moments in all the New Testament, second to Jesus's uh, death, burial, and resurrection. But we have this Jew and this Gentile uh, disunity coming to a head. These Jewish followers of Jesus and these Gentile followers of Jesus. And and that the question is, can you be Gentile and follow Jesus? If yes, Then what? But the Jews said, if that's the case, then you got to be like us. You got to be a Jew and follow all of our practices. And a debate breaks out. And guess whose testimony shifts the balance in this whole thing? It was Peter, the Jew who's had intentional and consistent proximity with Gentiles, people different than him. And Peter stands up and he says, God has not made a distinction between us and them. We are all saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus. So it was decided that circumcision And this litany of practices was not the mark of justification. And Peter had had a revelation based on his proximity, his perspective shifted. So here's the key point here. It was Peter's prayers that shifted his proximity and that ultimately shifted his perspective. So let me make this plain for you real quick who we communicate with or where we're taking our cues and our communication from, it influences our perspective. And this is one of the reasons why unity is an issue because our perspective is often short-sighted, very much limited to where we're taking our cue from. And it was in prayer where God shifted Peter's perspective and showed him how to move forward so the question this weekend or at least one of them is this what if we prayed and talked to God more than CNN MSNBC CN, uh, 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 MSNBC, CNN, Fox uh, ESPN, wherever you get your Instagram wherever you get your sources from maybe our hearts would turn towards people who are not like us. Maybe that proximity would shift our perspective like it did Peter's. So I gave you all of that context to bring us all the way to 1 Peter chapter number three. And I did that because I want us to feel the full weight of Peter's words that we're going to read. I want us to to have some context for his life and what he's saying. So in chapter 1 of 1 Peter, he says this idea of we need to have obedience to the truth. That is what helps us to have a pure heart and to love one another constantly. So our proximity to the truth and obedience to it, Gives us a pure heart, helps us to love one another constantly. Chapter 2, he says, now we need to get rid of a bunch of stuff. Hypocrisy, slander, envy, deceit. I mean, none of those things promote unity, obviously. But we need to have a desire for the word. Remember, I was just talking about where we're taking our cue from. And then we land in 1 Peter 3, starting in verse 8, and it reads like this. Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. We'll unpack those words very succinctly in, in just a moment. But, but first, I want us to understand that Peter's words here are not theoretical. Like this is not just a good idea. This, this is kind of like Mr. Miyagi telling Daniel's son, listen, I know karate and I have a perspective that you don't have, so let me help you. You're gonna wax this car and it's gonna seem crazy, but this is going to help you. It's kind of like my mom saying, listen, I know you want to go to this school over here, but but actually I need to shift your proximity to this school over here that's multi-ethnic and is going to expose you to different things because of where you're going in the world. Listen, Peter, I shared all of this stuff about Peter's life because Peter got receipts, y'all. And for, for, for those of you who don't know what receipts means, it, it just means that he's paid the price and he understands what, what's, what's happening here. So his words are not just empty. This is a man who didn't want Jesus to wash his feet. This is a man who denied that he even knew Jesus three times. This is a man who was so gangster when they came to arrest Jesus, he cut the soldier's ear off and Jesus restored the man's ear. This is not some soft, sentimental guy who's saying, come on, everybody, y'all just get along. Just be nice to each other. No, this is a man who's seen both sides. He, he, he's seen how these things go. And he's saying, this is how we follow Jesus and we reflect unity amongst each other and the world around us. So let's unpack these words. What is Peter saying to us? First, he says, if you're taking notes, first point, he says, be like-minded. This is a phrase related to a, a Greek word, homophron. That is really a word that means to be harmonious. And that's an interesting word choice, homophron, which means uh, harmonious, because harmonious implies difference. It's these different sounds coming together to promote or produce harmony. Back in the day, I used to love this group called uh, Boys to Men. And um, I went to a foreign art school, and so I was in a little group. We used to sing these Boys to Men songs. But one of the cool things about Boys to Men is that they just had this dope harmony. Doom, 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 da, da. I won't, I won't continue on, but but I'm just remembering one of Boys to Men's songs. But but the beauty of these different voices, there were four guys in the group, and the harmony was amazing. That, that's what made them who they were, the different sounds harmoniously coming together. This idea of being like-minded doesn't mean the same. It means to be in tune which means that we can be different from one another. We can have different backgrounds, different uh, economic status, different education, all of those sort of things and still be in tune. This means that like-minded is less about being alike and it's more about working to get on the same page so that we can understand one another. So, number one, be like-minded. Number two, Peter says we need to be sympathetic. This comes from a Greek word, sympathes. And this Greek word is not necessarily related to sympathy the way that we think about uh, sympathy. It actually implies suffering or feeling with. And this is another interesting choice of word because here's the thing, it's impossible to suffer or feel with from a distance. So that means that our proximity has to shift if we're going to actually be sympathetic the way that Peter is encouraging us And so many times we're distant from others and we can't feel what they feel and we don't have the empathy and we're making decisions or we're drawing conclusions from a distance and we're not close enough to feel or know what people are truly experiencing. This is not a, hey, I feel bad for you. Let me pray and move on kind of thing. No, (laughs) no, no. Peter is drawing upon his experiences and what he saw. Peter saw the God of the universe move in closer because the God of the universe came to earth through Jesus. And Jesus' mission is to redeem, restore, and reconcile God back, I'm sorry, reconcile a man back to God and man to one another. And Jesus accomplished that through suffering. So when Paul talks about carrying one another's burdens, that literally means entering into the struggle and carrying the full weight of it. So unity is about being like-minded. It's about being sympathetic. And then thirdly, he says to be loving. Uh, This comes from a Greek word, uh, philadelphos. We know this word. Uh, It's why Philadelphia is named the city of brotherly love. That's what it means, brotherly love. And it literally means that we need to be like siblings to one another. This is how we need to engage and and love one another. I remember when I was in high school, there was a situation with one of my teammates and and his sister— and there was a guy on the team who was doing some very inappropriate things uh, towards my teammate's sister. And I didn't like it. And my teammate didn't know about it. And I went to this guy and I told him, I said, hey, listen, either you're going to cut this out or we're going we're gonna to put this on Front Street and we're going to dress it another way. And here's the thing. I wasn't trying to start a fight. I wasn't, I wasn't trying to be a bad or tough guy. I was standing up for my brother and my sister. This is what justice looks like. This, this brotherly love, standing up for one another. This is what it looks like. This is not about issues. It's about individuals. And this is what unity looks like. So to be like-minded, to be sympathetic, to be loving. Fourthly, Peter says, be compassionate and humble. Now, There was a Greek word associated with compassion. I can't really pronounce it, and it's a little bit confusing. But but I really just wanted to drill down on this idea of of humility because humility is probably the least pursued and practiced attribute. There's a book that I like, a leadership book, um, a classic leadership book um, called The Leadership Challenge. And uh, it's written by two guys whose last name are Kuzas and Posner, and they've done years of research. The book is in um, several, several editions now. And, and they basically did research on the most el- admired qualities of, of leaders. And as I studied this over the years, I came to the realization that the top five, which is what they kept coming back to year after year of doing this research, humility is not included. As a matter of fact, when you go through the list of responses, humility is not anywhere on the list, which is crazy to me. We would rather have leaders who are more forward-looking, who are uh, more charismatic and and all of these sorts of things, which which is cool. But if you don't have humility, how are you really putting others first? Because nothing promotes unity like selflessness. So being in a me-first, when-at-all-cost world is not how Jesus followers are called to lead because we are called to prioritize right relationship over being right. So we should be like-minded, we should be sympathetic, we should be loving, we should be compassionate and humble. And then the fifth point is... We ought to be a blessing. Now, this word be a blessing is coming from the Greek word uh, eulogia, which is where we get eulogy from, which means to speak well of. And I found this very interesting because. Peter is talking about this in the context of how we respond to bad things or evil happening around us, but, but he's talking about responding to it from a word standpoint or, or how we speak about it, which is, which is interesting. When we, when we read what, what, what James has written about this in the New Testament, James says the tongue is full of deadly poison and it's full of blessing and cursing, and this should not be so. Peter says we were called to be a blessing. And and so when we think about how we speak, are our words speaking blessing regularly? Are we prioritizing speaking blessing when we speak about or to others? This idea of, Kindness is about responding with moral goodness in the face of evil. And I just want to say this. I know how much we love the First Amendment in this country and the right to uh, uh, the freedom of speech, which is cool. But as Jesus followers, are we honoring those and are we honoring God with how we are reflecting that First Amendment right? Right. The words that we speak and are we prioritizing being a blessing? Let me see if I can land a plane for us like this, this weekend. There's one part of Peter's story that I didn't share that I want to highlight for us. Paul, who is someone who's written the majority of the New Testament, he's writing a letter to Christians in a place called Galatia. And in part of this letter, he calls out Peter. Yes, he calls out Peter because Peter is spending time time with Gentiles. He's eating with them. He's hanging out with them, except for when Jews come around, specifically the ones who are of the circumcision party who don't like that. And so what Peter begins to do is he kind of slides on out and then he shifts because he doesn't want to be seen as someone who is a Gentile sympathizer. Maybe because he's thinking about when he got thrown in jail and got locked up. I can feel that. But Paul calls him out and says, yo, bro, this is not how we get down. This is not how we roll. And I bring this up because as we are pursuing unity, no matter what, what side we're on or, or what our ethnicity or culture or any of those sorts of things, guess what? We're going to get it wrong sometimes. We're going to say some things that maybe are ignorant or some things that we shouldn't say. Or maybe we, 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 we just get it wrong. Or maybe we're afraid like Peter that there's going to be retaliation and we feel stuck in the middle. We're going to get it wrong. But I love, I love What Peter says in 1 Peter 4. Listen, he's saying all these things about unity, and then he comes to this. He says, above all, maintain constant love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. It's love. And I know Peter understands what that means because he felt that love from Jesus after he denied him three times. I know Peter knows what that love feels like after being called out by Paul. He understands that we're going to get it wrong, but we've got to show grace to one another and we've got to be willing to love one another enough to cover one another. That promotes unity. Unity is best expressed in covering, and yes, there's a place for correcting, and yes, there's a place for convincing, but we should prioritize covering. And so my challenge to you this weekend, Mountain, as followers of of Jesus, of those who are trying to reflect unity in our community and our culture and how we live, is to move in closer, to be intentional with our proximity to difference and to constantly pursue love and to cover one another, understanding that we are going to get it wrong sometimes. But we got to be quick to show grace and embrace one another. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this challenge that you've given us this weekend. God, we are living in challenging times right now. There's so much division around us. Uh, All of these uh, news outlets and uh, posts we're seeing on social media and commentary that is more divisive than it is unifying. God, help us who are called out to stand out to also be known for those who are standing together, to be a reflection to those around us of this is what it looks like to live in community with people who are different than you. Empower us to do this because we can't do it in our own strength. And so we thank you for the, the example of Peter. And we thank you for the example that, we've give, that you've given to us ultimately in Jesus. So help us to be a reflection of your son, Jesus, and to be a unifying force in our community and ultimately in our world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.